0: This is The Guardian. Hi, this is Guardian Australia Reads. I'm Jane Lee. Every week, we ask Guardian Australia's editors what their favourite articles are, and then we read them aloud for you. If you're a football fan, you've probably heard of Manchester United. But what about Rohingya United? What started with one Rohingya refugee in Brisbane has grown into two football clubs for Australians who hail from all over the world, including countries like Nepal, Somalia and Sri Lanka, to name a few. Mike Heitner is Guardian Australia's sport editor. So, Mike, why did you pick this story?
1: This was uh, an important story for us to tell because it's at its very core is a story of inclusivity. Sport in Australia is, is clearly an important part of life and to give... Opportunities to to everyone is is hugely important, and this club really demonstrates that. Um, it's it serves as a microcosm of modern day society um, in that it's inclusive to the the end degree. Um, the refugees are welcome, asylum seekers are welcome, but it's not just limited to to those people. Um, and it's really a melting pot of society. And this this story really brought that out with some great anecdotes um, from from the migrant population um, who came to Australia and were seeking inclusion, and they found that at this particular club. This story in particular really demonstrates the the power of sport, which is and has always been able to, to bring together communities like few other things.
0: Let's hear it. This is Rohingya United, the football team bringing together refugees by Emma Kemp.
2: Rafiq Mohammed lists the fortnightly rations doled out by United Nations personnel. One kilogram of rice, a bit of oil. He thinks for a second. Dal, some vegetables. There were a lot of people and little food. It was not ever, ever enough. It was all Mohammed ate, for the first 13 years of his life, having been born inside Nyapara, the densely populated refugee camp and home of stateless Rohingya people who fled from Myanmar to Bangladesh. For the camp kids, though just as coveted as any of those food items, were the plastic bags in which they came. They snaffled them then took them to meet their friends and start construction. Muhammad says, We'd put them all in one big bag and squeeze it, tie it with rope and make a soccer ball. We would play with that, without shoes, in the dirt. A real football was a rare sighting in Neapara. But Mohammed occasionally caught a glimpse of one, courtesy of a Bangladeshi visitor. He memorized its shape as a prototype. Suffice to say, given the materials at hand, the result was not heavy duty. As soon as you have ten kicks, it's ripped off one side, he recalls. So you have to get the plastic again tied with rubber bands. But all we did was play. We woke up in the morning and go kick the ball around. Go back again. Play football again. It was all we looked forward to. We were doing nothing else. Just waiting for someone to take us out of the camp. Muhammad did not see a professional football match of any description. Until shortly before he left the camp for Australia. There was no TV inside the 10-meter-by-10-meter bamboo hut. He shared with 16 family members. But the UN office nearby had won. And they let about 100 people in to watch 2010 World Cup matches. So we would sneak in to watch a few minutes, he says. That was my first time seeing actual football. It's crazy. When a teenage Mohammed made it to Brisbane with his mother and two brothers, he held a real football in his hands for the first time. It was a Kmart cheapy, but perfectly full and round, just like he'd imagined. He says, I was just crying, holding the soccer ball. It was the best moment in my life. I cannot describe it. The initial challenge was adjusting. His first touch to a ball that behaved very differently to a scrunched up bundle of plastic bags. But the skill was soon mastered and he joined Brisbane Community Club, Virginia United, for two seasons. The initial challenge was adjusting. His first touch to a ball, that behaved very differently to a scrunched up bundle of plastic bags. But the skill was soon mastered and he joined Brisbane Community Club, Virginia United, for two seasons. In general life, those first 18 months were difficult. Some cousins already living in Australia offered help. But the English language skills of his immediate family were non-existent. And they craved community. In 2016, Muhammad established Rohingya United. He says, We have a lot of youth. So, me and my cousin created the club and thought, maybe in the future, we can get in the league. We just caught everyone down to kick the ball around in the afternoon. That's how it started we get a lot of community members coming to watch us. So it's really important for us because we represent that community and the name Rohingya wherever we go. The team became so big, he was forced to create a second called QR the Brave. Both sides play in the recently formed Q League, a Queensland-based multicultural competition offering migrant and refugee communities a chance to play football without paying exorbitant registration fees, which would otherwise render their participation impossible. The League features teams representing not only Rohingya people, but also Nepalese, Somali, Punjabi, Bosnian, Vietnamese, Japanese, Spanish, English, Korean and Sri Lankan along with Australians. Everyone's loving their life now better than we used to live in. They have their own opportunities, their own goals. But another 1.6 million people are still hoping to get somewhere. Like I was, I'm still fighting to get them to be with me here. We have a lot of space here in Australia. Why can't they come here as well? At the end of June 2017, an estimated 35,480 people from Myanmar were living in Australia, according to the Refugee Council of Australia. There are more in offshore detention centres. One of those is Abdul Satar, who was recently released after spending years on Nauru and in the Brisbane International Transit Centre and the makeshift detention centre at the Kangaroo Point Central Hotel and Apartments. Muhammad says he was a refugee, running away to save his life. Then when he comes to Australia, and he got locked up. But it was different for Muhammad. I get to play soccer. I get to meet other friends in the camp community. And when I go to Australia as a refugee... I get to go and live fully. I have the freedom. My whole team fought and joined protests to get those refugees out of the detention centres and into the community to have a better life. When he got released, he was so happy. We helped him to get a house, a driver's licence and transport. He doesn't have a visa, so he cannot study or work. All he does is wake up, pray, eat and give me a call to ask where we are playing? Mohammed, who has a diploma in IT, works for Football Queensland and Multicultural Australia. He is using his own experience to help asylum seekers, refugees and other migrants find a place to live and work and access services such as transport and healthcare. He is using his own experience to help asylum seekers, refugees and other migrants find a place to live and work and access services, such as transport and health care. That's the best way to connect for me, with Aussies and other communities around me. He says, it doesn't matter if it's football, netball, whatever you play. Even if you don't know how to speak English, on the field you can because your body speaks in the same language.
0: That was Rohingya United, the football team bringing together refugees by Emma Kemp. The reader was Rohit Kalia. To read the article, go to the Guardian Australia Reads website. This episode was produced by Rafka Tuma, Karishma Luthria, Alison Chan and Camilla Hannan. I'm Jane Lee. Catch you next time.